Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest and greatest on Good AV. Um, I am your host, as always, Midori Connolly, your friendly chief AV girl, um, and I aim to bring you that which is the most innovative, interesting, unique, and basically good um, within the AV industry. I have a lot of inquiries from folks either who are looking for talent or trying to find their next role, um, you know, just kind of wondering what's going on out there. And I figure, you know, the listeners here are, are good, right? They're the best in the business, hopefully, um, who are trying to push limits. And in some cases, um, you know, you outgrow where you're at. And so I thought, what better way to kick off the year than trying to bring together the best in um, talent recruitment and job seeking and recruiting to share some insight um, with your efforts, whether you're trying to find people or you are looking for your next role. And, um, you know, a lot of times it's a goal for the year. And so I thought it might be a fun conversation to kick off 2017. And so I am absolutely delighted to have a wonderful guest with me. Um, I have Rick Best, CSAM, who is an executive recruiter with Management Recruiters of Portland. Welcome, Rick. Hi, Midori. How are you today? I'm wonderful. Thank you. And thank you so much for being on the show with us. You're welcome. Um, so, you know, kind of um, as we've sort of discussed, um, just want to learn a little bit about uh, jobs and the market in the audiovisual industry. But before we get to the meat of the show, I always like people to know who they're listening to. It, it's always interesting to know who the man is behind the voice. And so if you'll just give us a, a quick intro Understood. to sure. yourself and kind of how you ended up in AV too. Okay, sure. I'm more than happy to do that for you. I've been a recruiter virtually my whole career. That spans over 30 years now. Uh, I started originally from Wisconsin, started back in the pulp and paper industry in the 70s. Um, now I just dated myself something fierce there. <laughs> and spent a lot of time in that industry, primarily in the same kind of technical roles, engineering, production type talent. Uh, back in 2006, after an uh, extension of a number of companies, I, I was hired here at Management Recruiters of Portland. And shortly after getting here, I got transferred into what ended up being a new division at that time, which was the audiovisual field. And so I've been in this industry since 2006. I got pretty lucky. I really find working with people in the AV industry to be uh, what I always refer to as salt of the earth type people, pretty down um, and down home and honest kind of individuals. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting too when you think that, you know, we're in a, a technology based industry, a communications based industry. And yet you have really grounded, um, you know, kind of approachable people, um, which, you know, in a lot of engineering fields, that's not necessarily the case. That's correct. You know, and I've worked real hard at developing a reputation as a specialist in the industry. That's one of the things that management recruiters or MRI is, is, is really keen on as an organization. And I've worked with satisfied clients on a national basis. And I work the kind of the whole gamut. The three main areas I work is the systems integration, meaning the capital install people, the staging live event field, as well as consulting engineering are my three areas of specialization. And I'll be honest with you, I think most of my work is probably done, I'll simply say, west of the Mississippi, mm -hmm. simply because I'm in Portland. 
Okay. Um, yeah. And that's actually so perfect. You just covered my three main um, areas of listeners. <laughs> listeners so you kind of cover, we're in good shape here. Um, and I'll be curious to kind of learn more about, you know, consistencies between the three segments of the industries or, you know, what's different. So um, with that said, um, let's just go ahead and talk a little bit about those who are, you know, job seekers. Um, and I'm just really curious, you know, what in your experience you see as uh, the number one mistake that people might be making when they're when they are looking for a job. You know, yeah, when we prepare for this, uh, Midori, I think that there was, you know, the, the, to say there's one mistake that people make is a little bit of a misnomer. But if I were to isolate one thing, uh, I think they, the, the thing they don't do is they don't develop a plan to approach the job market. Uh, then there's a couple other things that they don't do, and because I work with them to make sure they do this, uh, most people are, have a great deal of difficulty creating value from their past accomplishments. It's kind of a highlight reel, so to speak. Okay. And more importantly, they don't prepare for the interviews themselves. So there's a number of things that, that I do for them that make them better at the interview process. And, and because of those things, I think it makes me stand out as a specialist in the industry because I actually care about these people as well as my clients to make sure that the candidate gets the best job that he's looking for and the client gets the best possible person available in, in the time frame that they're looking to fill the job in. Gotcha. And so you think the so basically, you know, what works for those folks is um, it sounds like having, like you said, a plan to approach the job market. Um, can you expand a little bit on what that would look like? Yeah, uh, you know, people, uh, very few people are open to do something on a national basis. Most people do something on a regional or some city-specific kind of a thing. And I will say that the, the talent that is out there right now, the talent that my clients look for and the talent that, they, that um, I bring, bring them is, tends to be very regionally oriented. You know, I think that people have a tendency to think that uh, salespeople are probably more notorious for this than anything else, that they can just get by by being who they are kind of a thing. And they, they, you know, in today's competitive market, you need to do things like research the company as well as the people you'd be interviewing with. And I provide them that tool of how to go about doing that. Uh, they have to be able to speak fluently about their accomplishments and the value they bring to the table. And we actually, I actually, as, as does manager recruiters, actually make sure that we sit down and we even sometimes run dummy interviews just to make sure that the individual understands the, the value that they're bringing to the table. Uh, <clears throat> uh, we teach them how to do things like uh, spin areas of concern. Uh, with that recession that we all lived through in 2008 through like 2012, a lot of people had very short job stints. And um, I probe those individuals, find out what it was that they did so that the normal reaction that companies have, well, it was at this job one year, this job one year, is there's usually a reason that was that way. It isn't that they're bad people, it's that the economic situation didn't allow them to do more than contract type work. Mm -hmm. um, and and just out of curiosity, um, you know, I've heard that um, this idea of, you know, people being at companies for shorter periods of time, there's less sensitivity to that. Is that actually true, do you think, or is that just kind of like a media thing, that perception? <laughs> well, I would say that I would say that there is less sensitive less sensitivity to it because years ago, I think that the whole concept of, and this will probably be a hot temp, hot topic here, mm -hmm. of loyalty to companies and and companies' loyalty to their employees has gone away. Mm -hmm. 
I think that that uh, because of economic situation, management has had to do things that they didn't want to do, but they had to do in order to to save the organization. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that 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 loyalty thing and longevity in a job is is somewhat still of a concern. I would say that if there's a standard or a norm that you should have, you should have been in a job two years minimum, three is ideal. After two or three years, changing jobs is not that unusual, especially in a marketplace like we're in right now where the technology is changing rapidly and you're seeing a lot of consolidation and people getting out of the business now because of these technology changes and uh, margins getting thinner and thinner as they try to stay in what they know and what they know is getting, in essence, antiquated. So, no, I don't really see a, a real problem with the two to three years in a stint. Uh, there's actually, you actually run into more of a problem with people who have been in something of like 10, 15, 20 years uh, because there actually is a emotional loyalty that you see with candidates like that. Hmm. Uh, in this past year, I recently have placed people with that kind of seniority, and you've got to be very careful with them, uh, especially when you help them go through the resignation process with their current employers because there's a lot of emotional baggage that the current employer can drop on them that makes them feel that maybe they shouldn't make the change that they wanted to make in the first place. Huh. So not only are you a recruiter, you are also apparently a counselor. (laughs) (laughs) Well, to a great degree, yes. You know, I think that's real important. I think the other point I would make here, so I don't forget to make it, is that, you know, one of the key things that that people have to have is they really have to have good references. Mm. People, past managers, peers, or clients who will support their capabilities, it creates a real sense of a comfort level with the new company that they're that the individual that they're going to be hiring are going to be an asset to them too. And uh, in the interview world that I work in, interviews that hiring decisions are usually made in two interviews. Uh, typically a, a phone interview if the individual's outside the area and then it is a, a face-to-face and then they make a, then they make the call. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it happens very fast and the more information I can supply them via the candidate's data or the reverse is the client has enough sales um, information that's going to attract somebody to their organization. Those are all an integral part of the process. And I think that a lot of candidates do not recognize the value of their references. And they have difficulty coming up with people that actually can speak to their skills. Yeah, that's a that's an incredible tip right there. Um, I don't know. I mean, me personally, even, I don't know that I've necessarily had can you know taken that um into consideration as uh really Im- being as important as you're saying it is so um question for you then um if somebody you know i'm thinking of someone in say manhattan who doesn't have the um uh, ability to use your um uh, services or um how then would they share their references is this something that they do initially or does this come out more uh, further along in the interview process um to i'll give you a short uh, a <laughs> short format here mm-hmm. uh, you know I'm always I'm always looking for talent. Talent is very hard to come by. The top talent is usually roughly no more than 15% of the population out there. Mm-hmm. You know, the other thing about top talent is they're usually very busy and usually very happy, and so they're not looking for opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, so I am. Uh, I used to say this. I'll use it for you here. Uh, for years, I used to say I, I play the Robin Hood of the industry. <laughs> In other words, I rob from the rich to give to the poor. The rich being the the bigger companies that really never have much use for me mm-hmm. because they have a reputation but they also tend to have a lot more of the talent available out there. And at the same time, they have, even though they have the talent, they really don't have the wherewithal or capability 
to promote that talent. Mm -hmm. And so they become uh, people that are interested in making moves. They become, instead of a little fish in a big pond, they become a big fish in a little pond, and their recognition in the industry goes up exponentially. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, and I, I don't think I asked that very clear. Um, what I meant sure. was for somebody who maybe geographically doesn't have the ability to work with you, like you said, since most of it tends to be west of the Mississippi and they're just outside of your coverage or um, I think I just meant someone who couldn't use your services for whatever reason. Um, I'm just curious about the references piece. How, at what point do they share the references? Is that something that is provided with a resume or, uh, you know, at that point, or is it later in the process? Is there a way to do that that's better than another? Yeah, let me answer that two ways. Number one, yes, I, I probably do more of my business west of the Mississippi, but uh, this business is basically still run by telephone. Mm. Uh, so, and I do have clients. In fact, I'm working with a client right now that's in Virginia. Good to know. You know, and I've, and I've placed clients in Atlanta and in Florida. So it's not that I can't work that. Okay. Um, after 10 years of being in the industry, I have contacts on a global basis. It's more of the timeline issues that you run into. Uh, I'm on the West Coast. I get in and start working at 9 o'clock. It's already noon in New York. Right. Uh, as far as it pertains to references, um, I would never recommend, in my opinion, that you put references on your resume. Mm-hmm. Uh, I typically ask somebody that I run into and they express interest in a job. Uh, that that point in time, I'll ask them from typically usually four to six references. Uh, and like I said earlier, they could be a mix of managers, peers, or clients. Mm-hmm. So I get a good cross-section of people who have, have known the individual for a number of years and can comment on not only their work performance, but their interpersonal skills and things mm-hmm. of that nature. So there's really no um, – I don't really have any restrictions yeah. Um, it's really worth who's, who's needs the talent and, and do I have the talent to fill the job? Great. That's, that's really good advice. Um, very interesting. So thinking about some of the trends and what, uh, you're seeing out there as far as, um, you know, are there any particular tools or sites that companies are using for hiring or, um, for job seekers that are looking for jobs, is there anything, you know, I mean, obviously LinkedIn, and maybe you have some insight on, on some LinkedIn tips. You know, for <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't like giving my secrets away, Midori, but I would say from, from, I think the proliferation of social media sites has had a strong influence on the hiring process, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't think it's a be-all solution. Mm-hmm. Uh, job boards are still pretty popular, but I think they're losing their value to the marketplace because they're, they're not that easy, in my opinion, they're not that easy to access. Um, and I think people who apply to job orders, job boards, in my experience, have tended to be people who are not uh, the top quality that my clients look for. Hmm. Uh, I do use two major resources. In D- I obviously use Indeed.com primarily to track the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, gives me an idea what positions are in demand nationally and regionally. And I, I have that's an ongoing process for me. And every two or three days, I get a report from Indeed on positions that are opening in in the key markets that I'm talking about, like I'll call it the Northeast, the Southeast, uh, Texas, in other words, the Southwest and the West Coast, and a little bit of time in the upper Midwest, primarily in the Chicago market. Mm-hmm. And it just gives me a trend on what is of demand uh, in the industry, and so that if I'm going into that particular area, yeah, I should have a candidate that fits that demand. It gets my calls answered, gets people responding. They tend to interview these candidates I'll hear, I'll hear things like, how did you know we were looking? And the reality is, I didn't know you were looking. I'm marketing this individual because he's interested in moving to Chicago mm-hmm. and he has the credentials and this is what his references say, et cetera, et cetera. So 
you know, I, I think I provide a very valuable service to clients yeah. um, and, and they take advantage of it. I think LinkedIn is an awesome tool mm-hmm. for identifying talent, uh, but you really do need to take the time to develop the relationship with a candidate and that requires talking on the telephone. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of my interviews <coughs> excuse me, take over an hour to complete because uh, we dissect them pretty tightly and, and it's amazing how, few, how, how difficult it is for people to talk about how good they are. <laughs> I always find it very interesting thing that they have a they have a problem with that. Uh, like I said a minute ago, the telephone is really a, still a key technology to recruiting, yeah. and I have to thank God for the popularity of cell phones and mobile technology because texting and having cell phones available have improved the ability to reach people. Where before, if it just went through the switchboard and they're um, out in the field a lot, you're rarely going to catch that individual in, and yeah. that just is a frustrating part of the job. Yeah, no, um, that's really great. I really like the idea just for somebody considering, um, you know, just sort of wanting to get a pulse of the industry and jobs that are out there and just being able to kind of do research on Indeed.com. That's, that's a really good tip just uh, for someone who may or may not be actively seeking. Um, I think that's that's really useful. Um, and so along those lines, um, thinking about skills and professional development, if someone is considering maybe a move in this, this year or the next year or so, um, what in particular in your expertise do you find that AV companies, um, and I know this will differ from from segment to segment, but uh, particular skills or certifications, degrees that someone should maybe look into um, uh, achieving and in, in order to land that dream job. Okay. Yeah, and I would say the, that um, there's very few actual engineers in the AV industry. I mean, it is an industry that was people kind of stumble into. I would say that most of the people that I've known in the industry kind of started, came in from the music side of the business mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it is an, an industry, although I think Infocom is doing a much better job of getting that out there, that the AV industry is, is actually has career options for people. I, I don't think it's, it is, it's, it's improved, but it's got a long way to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, from a skills perspective, I think that the certification process that you see out there, um, you know, the industry has been making a real concerted effort to provide the necessary education and certifications to increase the skills and capabilities of their staff. Uh, Infocom started that APEX program uh, and their certified technical specialist, the CTS program, and the other certifications that uh, people should obtain from manufacturers certainly increases the employee's value as well as the price a company can charge for those capabilities. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest concern I have in the industry is that companies, uh, a lot of companies give uh, the proverbial lip service to that. And because they're so busy, they really never get the, the time or make the investment in their personnel to make them better, and that's uh, one reason they have turnover, is other companies are really dedicating themselves to um, investing in their people a lot more than they had even just five years ago, and I think it's starting to show in the capabilities of people out there in the industry when it comes to design engineering, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, is there, are there any broad skills, uh, maybe non-technical, non-industry specific that um, a job hunter would be looking for um, that would make someone stand out? Yeah, I would say that you have to be a very good communicator in this job. Uh, mm-hmm. This is a, uh, if you look at just either side of the industry, be it uh, staging live event or capital installation, communication skills are, are, are critical. 
You know, you have to be, and you have to be able to communicate technical information to people that don't understand technical information. So the proverbial ability to dumb it down, as they say, mm-hmm. uh, is a real skill that you have to have. Um, I think that a lot of people, well, I shouldn't say that. Reality is there are people who are very good at that and people who are very bad at it. You know, I think, <laughs> you know, and usually the guys who are bad at it are freelancers. Uh, and I'm really broad brushing that category because sure. I know a lot of great freelance people, but um, a lot of the freelancers that I've run into historically, they choose to be freelancers because they really don't like working for a boss. Mm-hmm. You know, they like the freedom of the job. And, you know, and I think that they, part of the, even when I run references, part of the problem you'll occasionally, somebody will say is that, you know, he's a really good technician, but never put him in front of a client. Mm-hmm. He, they don't understand the nuances of communication. And there's certain things you just don't say to a client, even though they may be true, you just don't bring them up as a topic of conversation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing because I'm very familiar <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you probably would be. I think it, it's, you know, it, I've heard it, and we've all heard the, you know, the proverbial war stories out there about people who uh, quickly put their foot in their mouth, not intentionally most of the time. But um, I think that uh, one area that you see that probably more than any is there's been a lot of what they call embedding where you put, where companies are putting employees in the house in an organization. And I would say that is a very hot job to be in. You have to be an exceptional communicator to do that job mm-hmm. because the clients are extremely demanding of your time and you have to be willing to pretty much, what I'll say, take a lot of hits yeah. from employees of the firm and and deal with them versus react to them. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, There's often a lot of turnover in those embedded jobs because the people just don't understand the importance of the communication skill. I would make one comment for you on sure. what's going on in the last two years in the AV market. Mm-hmm. Uh, from our perspective as recruiters, there's 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 a pendulum in the marketplace, uh, what we call it. There's either a candidate-driven market, which is what it is right now, or there's a what we call a client-driven market. Where, and the difference is is rather obvious. A candidate-driven market is there is a thousand job openings and only 500 candidates. Mm-hmm. So the candidate's in control of that market. So if I can find talented design engineers, project managers, technicians, sales talent. The, the demand for them is very high and they're, I wouldn't say they're easy to place, but it is an easier placement because everybody's looking for them. Mm-hmm. You know, I think then when, and when the market goes soft, like it did after the recession, then you're in a client-driven market, which is much more a recruiting-based market where you're looking to fill jobs and there's fewer opportunities and there's a lot of people just available in the marketplace and during most recessions, there's a lot of good people tend to be on the street that shouldn't be on the street, and it's not their skills that's at fault. It's just the economics that it's at fault. And there still is a tendency, and I've been in the recruiting for a long time, to take a look at somebody's resume who's been in that kind of situation and not even talk to them, just eliminate them as candidates without giving them an opportunity to explain what's been going on. Mm. I take the time to really sit down with a candidate, research his issues and the problems, and, and we come up with a way to communicate that to the hiring authority so that they don't see it as a negative because that's just, uh, I, I think it's human nature that people see it that way. Okay. Yeah. No, that's really interesting. Um, just good to know also for a candidate or someone who's who's contemplating a job move, right? Like this sounds like a really prime time 
to get themselves either into a higher earning position or um, promotion in title or um, broadening their skill set. Um, so that's I think that's actually great for for folks to know and and obviously being able to use. A coach, you know, I mean, like it, from what you're describing, you know, I joked about being a counselor, but you really sound like a coach, right? So this is, um, yes. it seems foolish for somebody not to go reach out to, you know, either yourself or any other recruiter. I mean, it, I, it seems like it would make most sense to work with someone in the industry. Um, and I know there aren't, there aren't a lot of them who have this experience and, <laughs> you know, you know how it is outside of the industry. It's like, well, you do what again? And how I don't, you know, so I think that, you know, it sounds like you would be a great resource and, um, you know, just kind of for people to be able to reach out to you and, uh, good to know that you cover, you know, the entire world. <laughs> um, well, and, I, and I'm honest with, I'm honest with people. You know, a lot of times, you know, there's also a, uh, uh, um, people feel that recruiting firms, which is what I am, I'm mm -hmm. not an employment agency. Mm -hmm. A lot of people associate recruiting with employment. Mm. I mean, yes, we, that's what we do. Yeah. But I think that if you don't have, uh, and I will tell people, listen, you have excellent skills, but for whatever reason, there is no demand in the marketplace for that skill set. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I looked at uh, experiential marketing creative directors last year uh, only because I had one It was a really talented individual. I placed him quickly and I thought, wow, this, is, this, looks, this looks like it could be a gold mine for me. Mm -hmm. Spent another 60 days on it. Turned out to be a big bust. They use freelancers more than the freelance industry, the live event industry uses them. Huh. So there was really not a market there. And so I've, I've had to tell very talented people that I can't help them. Right. Uh, because they're in an area that I can't really, I don't have any leverage in. Sure. Uh, a perfect area is, is guys who are salespeople who are in the AV industry want to move to a manufacturer. Hmm. I would say the manufacturers have a probably more candidates than they can care to look at uh, for their sales jobs because it's a natural transition for them. So I think I have made three placements in 10 years in the manufacturing side of the business simply because they have such a huge pool of pool to pull from, I'm, I'm ineffectual. I can't really help them. And, I'll, and I like to be honest with people and just tell them the truth mm -hmm. versus you know, lead them along and thinking that I'm going to help them and they think I'm going to help them. And then I start getting call after call after call that well, how come I'm not seeing the opportunities enough? To, and you know, I, I just, like I said, I try to nip it in the bud right off the beginning yeah. so that they understand I can do this, but I can't, I'm not a miracle worker. I can't perform miracles. Of course. And the, I mean, what an incredible resource you are, you know, just everything you're sharing with us, um, really fantastic. And so it just seems like an ideal spot for somebody to start their process. Um, and you know, maybe there's a hot job out there, you know, there's a, a few hot um, jobs that you would say, yeah, absolutely come to me. I can get you something <laughs> in a week, you know, um, and that's, that'd be great for them to know as well. So how do people find you? <laughs> well, I'm obviously on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah. um, I got a simple name. Rick Best is a pretty simple name. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been on LinkedIn since almost since in, when it first came out. I think I got on right away because I have a uh, I have a, a very sweet program because I got in at the front end. Okay. There, the program that I have gives me a lot of access, and it, and to be quite honest with you, is extremely inexpensive. Great. If I ever drop it, they they want me to drop it, but they can't <laughs> force me to drop it. Yeah. And so I I have uh, two and I use it. I use it as a resource. I mean, there are 
I, it's, it's easily millions of people on LinkedIn. Yes. Uh, when you, if you, if you look at LinkedIn, you got to make sure your industry is actually using it. Mm-hmm. Um, the AV industry, being a technology field, there's a there's hundreds and thousands of people on it. Uh, I think a lot of people are on it because they were told to get on it. You can tell those people because they have very few connections. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll have ten. Right. You know, I think my connect, my direct connects is now. I think I just passed twenty three hundred. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I get solicitations from people. Can I get on? You know, I'd like to be part of your network, kind of a thing. And I again, I have to turn people away because I can't help them. Sure. I'm not going to, you know, not going to give you the opportunity to talk to me. If there's really no reason, no business reason that I can foresee of that's going to be a value to both of us. Kind yeah. Of scenario. Well, that's fantastic, and you know that's so. A- so I. You know, yeah, and I mean, you know, so my my email address is on my LinkedIn profile. Great. I believe my direct dial phone number is on LinkedIn profile. Perfect. You know, so and and I think the the key thing that everyone needs to understand, and because there's a lot of recruiters that don't follow this general edict, um, a professional recruiter is going to treat your inf- information as your information and very confidential. Mm-hmm. I, I mentioned that uh, candidate-driven market. In a candidate-driven market, I market somebody. I take that individual skill set. Present it to the clients that I know who have historically needed that skill set, or I know is a demand skill set, and I will present the skills to the candidate, the client, and not the candidate. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's his skills, but they don't know who that is. Right. I think confidentiality is the biggest fear that people have when they're using a recruiter that they're going to get e blasted around the planet and their bosses are going to find out that they're looking. <laughs> right. You know, that is one thing that a professional firm does not do. You know, I will, if I find an opportunity that is of interest to, let's say, you, Midori, as a simple example, I will call you about it and we'll talk about the company and the client, what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. I'll give you their websites. You can take a look at them and I'll give you at least 24 hours to think about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and if you have spouse, kids, relatives that have to be covered, cover all those too. Right. I would say that, you know, I think there is, I want, if somebody is going to work with me, I'm going to commit to them. I need them to commit to me. Right. Well, this is, I mean, that's great. I think that's great for any, you know, relationship, working relationship. And I think that that's, um, uh, it's great. Again, you know, whether they choose to work with you or another recruiter, these are good things to ask and look for um, and a level of professionalism that, that and ethics that should be expected. So again, you know, it's, um, no matter who they choose to work with, this is really great advice. So, okay, folks, look for Rick on LinkedIn. It sounds like you'll be able to find him pretty easily, Rick Best. Um, and, uh, you know, wonderful information. Um, anything else to add? Well, um, I was just checking that. I think that, you know, number one, I appreciate you reaching out to me, Midori, and giving mm-hmm. me the opportunity to participate in a podcast. Mm-hmm. I think this is a uh, I viewed this obviously a very valuable tool to me. I've worked real hard at developing my reputation, and this is going to help connect to some of the people that I've yet to connect with. And I really appreciate you doing that for me. Um, I think that I think that you're absolutely correct. There are there are some very good recruiters out there. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I view myself as one of the better recruiters out there. But <laughs> I think the key is you really got to make sure that the recruiter you're working with is. There's so much more value to somebody who specializes in the industry than who's a generalist. Mm. You know, uh, if there's a, if there, probably the one key thing is I have relationships with hundreds of clients out there and companies out there who come to me looking for a specific talent. Mm-hmm. And from a client perspective, because I'm sure companies will company owners will listen to this. You know, if I start developing a relationship with, with a client, I will tell you right up front that that client 
will get first pick of anybody else I get that that I know they're going to be interested in. Mm-hmm. And because I'm all about developing long-term relationships to develop, help an organization put together the best technical staff or sales staff that they can right. so that they succeed. And, and they will have preferential um for want of a better word, treatment from me right. uh, by developing a relationship with each other. Perfect. Great. Well, um, again, a pre- no, I'm, I'm so glad you were on. You've provided some really good insight and um, I think food for thought. So everybody, 2017 is going to be a badass year. Let's make it really, really good. And um, as always, reach out to me with any thoughts, ideas, questions. Um, I'm always loving to hear all of the cool, innovative stuff you're working on. Um, And let's have a great year, Rick. I wish you all the best. And everybody, I will speak to you next time. 